You're listening to the podcast of Antioch East Baptist Church in Magnolia, Arkansas. This is Pastor Ron Owen. We're so glad that you've joined us today. If you have any comments or inquiries, you can send those to us at aebc123 at me.com. Now, in Romans chapter 9, verses 1 through 5, we saw that Paul was, uh, was uh, sorrowing over Israel, rejecting their Messiah. In other words, the majority of Jews, individual Jews, were saying no to Jesus. And it broke his heart, as it should break our heart, that when people hear the gospel, they don't respond And so Paul was grieving in verses 1 through 5 over Israel's rejection. But he takes heart in verse 6 and begins to explain why the majority of Jews reject their Messiah. Okay? Now, if you would not mind, stand with me as we reverence the reading of God's Word. And we're going to begin reading in verse 6. And this is what he says after he says, well, verse 1 says, I tell the truth of Christ, I'm not lying, my conscience bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were cursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh. You were blessed so much. And then he looks at verse 6 and he says, but it is not that the word of God has taken no effect. In other words, God's going to do what God wants to do. <laughs> that ought to make us happy. For they are not all Israel who are, all, who are of Israel. Nor are they all children because they are of the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac your seed shall be called. He's quoting the Old Testament there. Verse 8, that is, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. What is the promise? What does that mean? We'll get to that. Uh, Where was I? Verse 9, for this is the word of promise. At this time, I, this is, uh, we believe Jesus speaking. I'll explain that in a minute. He is talking to Abraham and Sarah in the Old Testament. At this time, I will come and Sarah shall have a son. And not on this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one man, even our father Isaac, for the children... Now listen, this is the explanation of what he's fixed to say. For the children not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him who calls. It was said to her, the older shall serve the younger, as it is written. This is Malachi Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. What in the world does that mean? That's what we're going to answer hopefully today. Heavenly Father, please bless the reading of your scripture. It's good. A lot of people come to this chapter and they get apprehensive and scared and and they don't understand it all or they... 
usually it's that they don't want to accept it all. God, help us to understand your word. And no matter if it goes against our flesh, no matter if it goes against our mind, no matter if it goes against our daddy, no matter if it goes against anything, help us to believe your word and practice your commands. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. As I said, verses 1 through 5, Paul expresses sorrow over the rejection of most Israelites of Jesus as their Messiah and Savior. But in our present text this morning, we'll explain why only a remnant, now listen, why only a remnant of the Jews, which that's a statement all through the Old Testament and also in the New Testament, why only a remnant of Jews have believed in Jesus as their Messiah. At this present time, only 2% of Israelites in Israel claim to be a Christian, and most of those probably are not true Christians. His explanation is that the issue, now listen to me because we're going to jump right into it. He explain, his explanation is that the issue isn't with the choices of the Jews, but with the sovereign choices of God's distinguishing grace. The explanation is that the issue isn't with the choices of the Jews, but with the sovereign choices of God's distinguishing grace. And this is not new, nor should it be surprising. The Bible says that the, the angels in heaven that did not fall, they are called the elect angels. Israel was taken out of all the people of the Middle East and God said that Israel is mine elect. And so this is not new to the New Testament. In Genesis 25, 19, if you would, let me, let's just go ahead and turn there. Genesis 25 and verse 19. Now he talks about Isaac, and then he talks about Jacob. Well, I'm going to read about Jacob first, okay? And then we'll get back to it. But I just want to show you that, that I'm getting ahead of myself here, but what Paul is doing here is basically preaching Old Testament doctrine. Verse 19, this is the genealogy of Isaac, Abraham's son. This is Genesis 25, uh, 19. Abraham begat Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah as wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Padan Aram, the sister of Laban, the Syrian. And Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord, she couldn't have children. And the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. But the children... The children struggled together within her, and she said, If all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other. Now he was talking about the nations that would come from these two. From Isaac came the Jews, and from Esau came the Edomites. The possessors of Petra, brother, brother Fred's been to Petra, beautiful place in the rock. That's where the Edomites lived. And not only that, but we know that Ishmael's descendants, do you know what's happening today over in the Middle East? Exactly what we just read about. It's a big family fight over there. That's why they don't get along. 
But he says, one people shall be stronger than the other. And then he said, the older shall serve the younger. Now, make no mistake about this. There are national overtones to chapter 9, but that is not what chapter 9 is about. It's about individuals. Why are individuals among the nation of Israel not coming to Christ? Not coming to Christ. Why do the Jews nearly wholesale not come to Jesus? But there it is in the Old Testament. Let's get into our message. Number one, we see here some surprising exclamations. Some surprising exclamations. Now, I I trust you're taking notes. If you're using the back of your bulletin, you're going to need two bulletins. I just got to warn you. Number one, he says in verse six, but it is not that the word of God has taken no effect. This is not surprising. We believe that. But he opens with this. The word of God is that, listen, because the Jews aren't being saved doesn't mean God's failing. That his promises are not coming, which is what the word means. The word word here, word of God, means promise. He says this several times in verse 8, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. Verse 9, for this is the word of promise. At this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. Not Ishmael. Now let me, let me back up and tell you that Abraham had two sons. He had many sons actually after that. But his first son was Ishmael from his handmaid because Sarah got uh, concerned that she was too old to get pregnant and, and do what God said would happen, that she'd have a son. And so they said, well, we'll figure out what God meant. You have an affair with my handmaid and, and, and uh, that son will be our son. Well... She did, he did that. And then immediately Sarah became jealous of the woman he was having an affair with. But you told me to do it, woman. What's wrong with you? It was terrible because it wasn't what God said to do, was it? But from that union came Ishmael. But they, that's where they're coming. By the way, Jason Hutchison is in Jordan. Jordan, where all these people we're talking about and living and lived. So pray for him. Anyway, uh, so, uh, so Ishmael was born, but God rejected Ishmael. He said, that's what I'm talking about, Abraham. You're going to have a son. His name's going to be Isaac, okay? And God promised Abraham. He made a covenant with Abraham when he called him out of the Ur of Chaldees. And he said, I'm going to bless you. Your, your descendants are going to be like the stars of the sky and the sands of the sea. And you will be a blessing to every nation. And through you will come the Messiah. And so those are promises and many promises that he made. God's promises have not, nor will they ever fail. It says, they, they, it says it's not as the word has taken no effect. The word of God is always going to affect, amen? Effect. God's promises have not, nor will they fail. Every Israelite that God has purposed to receive the promise that God has promised through Abraham will receive it. They will receive it. Now, I know some of you may not understand why this is exciting to you, but it is exciting to you because through Israel, you and I get those promises too. We get those promises too. Now, here are some some, uh, surprising exclamations. Listen to what he says. Number one, he says, For they are not all Israel who are of Israel. They are not all Israel who are of Israel. What in the world does that mean? That means just because... 
you are physically an Israelite, a descendant of Jacob, a descendant of Abraham, does not mean you are a descendant of Abraham, a descendant of Jacob. Does that clear it up? What he's saying is the physical is not the point. All Jews are not true Jews. Number uh, three here in my line C, uh, in my line, uh, verse seven says, nor are they all children because they are of the seed of Abraham. Just because they're of the seed of Abraham doesn't make them children. That's, that's odd. What's he talking about here? Being an Israelite is not dependent on physical descendancy. Now listen, it's dependent on divine decision. Did you hear what I said? Being an Israelite is not dependent on physical descendancy, but on divine decision. And he goes on and explains this through Jacob in just a minute. The point is not, are you a child of Abraham? But as verse 8 shows, are you a child of God? And my friend, the flesh is not what makes you a child of God. And what he's saying is, Ishmael was a descendant of Abraham, but he's not my choice. I've made no promises to him as far as the covenant with Abraham. And he said, Jacob's going to have two sons, Esau and Jacob. Or, or, Isaac's going to have two sons, Jacob and Esau. But I'm not choosing Esau. Esau will not be considered a true Jew. Only Jacob. I want to tell you, Isaac didn't make that decision. Rebekah didn't make that decision. Jacob didn't make that decision. And Esau didn't make that decision. God Almighty said that's the way it would be. Amen. And there's some people say, well, God knew what would happen. Therefore, that's why. That is foolish. That's taking the sovereignty of God away from God. Amen. My friend, God makes decrees on his own purpose, not on what he foresees you're going to do. Amen. You're not sovereign. He is. So make no mistake. No, let me get back here. The point is not that you're a child of Abraham, but are you a child of God? Verse 8, that is, those who are the children of flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as a seed. In other words, those that receive the promise of God, these are true Jews, and these are true Christians. Same thing. These are true Jews. It wasn't just because you had Abraham's blood flowing through you or Jacob's blood flowing through you that made you a child of God. What made you a child of God was God giving you the promise. Now, on the other end, on man's side, it is you believed in God. You believed the promises of God. That's man's side. And we talk about that all the time. And well, we should. That men should believe and repent. But my friend, before a man can believe and repent, God has got to elect, predestine, and call. And that's all chapter 9 is about. So, distinguishing grace. This is fourth in my outline. Distinguishing grace. What does that mean? It means unconditional election. As a matter of fact, the title of my message on my deal is Distinguishing Grace or Unconditional Election. 
You say, Brother Ron, what does this mean? What is distinguishing grace? I'll show you. I've got a little thing here. Number one, in verse 7 it says, I know that's hard to see, but, but let me read it. It says, nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. So you have the seed of Abraham. But he says they're not all the seed of Abraham because they're of Abraham. But in Isaac your seed shall be called. See? In Isaac. Not because you're a physical descendant, but you got to be a descendant of Isaac. Not necessarily a descendant, but Isaac was the one promised. And then look at this, verse 8. Those who are of the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. The ones who are of the flesh are not the children of God, but, look at the next one, the children of the promise are counted as a seed. Not just because you were born, but because God promised you. Let me tell you, you could have been born in a Baptist pew. You could have been born in this church building and you could have signed the card. You could call yourself a Baptist. But being Baptist don't make you born again. You could have been born in a bread box, but that don't make you a biscuit. (laughs) No, my friend... Someone who is a child of God is one that places faith in Christ and repents of sin, but first, who've been chosen of God. Look at this. Jacob, I have loved. I have loved. But Esau, I have hated. That's hard stuff to swallow, isn't it? Now, we're going to say more on distinguishing grace and sovereign election at the, in the last point and probably might be next week. We'll see. Matter of fact, I can just almost promise you it'll be next week. But my second point is this, is a scriptural exposition. First of all, we see some, uh, some fantastic exclamations that he gives. It's not the physical children that are, that are his children. It is the spiritual children, those who are given the promise, those who are called by God. Okay? Now, let's look at this. These verses that we just read are basically an exposition of Old Testament scriptures. Did y'all see that? I mean, most of that is Old Testament there in our, in our um, text is quotations from the Old Testament. Let me show you. The point of Paul's sermon is that just because you are a physical descendant of Abraham does not mean that you are a child of Abraham or of God. Again, verse 8, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. And God makes a distinguishing grace between the children of the flesh and the children of God. Number one, we see the exposition of Isaac. As I told you, Abraham and Sarah got ahead of God, and he had an affair with his handmaid, and she had, and he had a, she had a son. His name was Ishmael. He was the son of Abraham, the oldest son of Abraham. By the way, later God blesses Ishmael too, but not in the way that He blesses Isaac. He said, "Abraham, what are you doing? I didn't say that you and your handmaid were going to have children. I said you and Sarah are going to have a children. And if I said you and Sarah are going to have a child, guess what? You and Sarah are going to have a child." 
but God, I'm 75 years old, and she is uh, 10 years younger than that. We're, we're past that age. I'm telling you, you're going to have to, and 75, 76, 80, 85, 90, 95. Abraham is 100 years old, and still Sarah hasn't had a child. By the way, she's 90. Has the word of God failed? Verse 7, he quotes Genesis 21, 12 when he says, And Isaac, your seed will be called. The seed of Abraham is going to come through Isaac. And verse 9 says, For this is the word of promise. Quoting, At this time I will come and Sarah will shall have a son. This is a quotation from Genesis 18.10. Let's look at that. Genesis 18.10 said, And he, that's the angel of the Lord, which is most likely Jesus Christ himself, it's what we call a Christophany, a pre-incarnate Jesus showing up in the Old Testament. I don't have time to say it, but that's probably Jesus. And listen to what he says, I will certainly return. I will certainly return. No question about it. No question about it. I'm not going to look and see if you have foreseen faith. I'm not going to see if you're a good person. I don't care what happens. I'm telling you, in a year, I'm coming back. And I'm going to return to you according to the time of life. And behold, look at this, Sarah, your wife, 90 years old, shall have a son. 90 years old shall have a son. If God says it. God's choice for the receiving of the promise was Isaac, not Ishmael, Abraham's eldest son. It goes contrary to social norms back then. Even though he was the son of a handmaiden, Ishmael was not the choice of God. Now, we see the exposition of Jacob. Are y'all ready for this? Jacob. Jacob was the son of Isaac. He was the brother of Esau, the two twins. We read about it. Rebekah had twins. One guy come out, he was hairy and red. That's Esau. And Jacob came out and he was holding the heel of Esau when he came out of his mother's womb. And that was called a heel holder, a supplanter, a tricker. He was, listen, we, we think that because God didn't choose Esau that Jacob must have been a good guy. Let me tell you something. I'd have rather hung around Esau than Jacob. Really, we don't know much about the character of Esau except other things that we hear about later. But Jacob is the one we know about, and he was a sneaky, conniving liar. Disrespectful to his father. He was a sinner. And guess what? You're a sinner. And guess what? You're not going to believe this. I am a sinner. Did I tell a joke? <laughs> Thank you for those that laughed. Complimentary, I know, but <laughs> that's right. Jacob was a sinner. Esau was a sinner. In verse 12, it says, It was said to her, The older shall serve the younger. As is written, Jacob I have loved, and Esau I have hated. Jacob I have loved. He says it. There it is in black and white. Jacob have I loved, and Esau have I hated. Verse 12 reveals a socially uncommon practice that the younger son was chosen for the blessing and the promises. Now, I want to tell you, Isaac didn't do it because Jacob tricked Isaac to get the blessing. 
You know what Jacob should have done? Kept his mind on his own business and let God figure out because God had already promised that Jacob will be the chosen one. He already said it. And verse 13 gives what some deem to be a shocking statement. It is a quotation from Matthew, excuse me, Malachi 1 verse 2, where it says, I have loved you, says the Lord, yet you say, in what way have, we loved us? have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, says the Lord? Yet Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated, and laid waste his mountains and his heritage for the jackals of the wilderness. You can go over to Israel right now, and you will go and find Jews. Won't you, Brother Fred? You find Jews all over that place in Israel, won't you? Yes, They're everywhere. They got their own nation. They were restored in 1948. Is that right? Did I get that right? 48? But you know what? You can walk all into Petra. You've been to Petra? It's a rock city. All over those mountains, all that desert. Did you see any Edomites over there while you're there? No. The answer is no. <laughs> he didn't know. He didn't, you know why? Because nobody knows who the Edomites are, who the Ishmaelites are, uh, who the, uh, well, I'm trying to think of all these ites. What are they? Ishmaelites, Edomites, uh, Amalekites, Hivites, Jebusites, Mosquito Bites. Nobody knows their heritage in that land but Israel. Now, some claim, some claim they do. But there's Israel right there. God loved Jacob, and he hated Esau. And you say, Brother Ron, that's hard. God hates? Well, yeah. Yeah. And it's hard to, to understand, but I'm going to explain it to you in the end. You say, Brother Ron, what does that word hate mean in the Hebrew? What does it mean in the Greek? Hate? Hateful? Despised? The Bible says God hates the workers of iniquity. In Psalms 5 and verse 5, it says, The boastful shall not stand in your sight. You hate all workers of iniquity. God hates the wicked. In Psalms 11, 5, the Bible says, The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence, his soul hates. God hates people who sin. Proverbs 6.16 says, These six things the Lord hates, yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil. Now look at that. Hands, tongue, heart, feet. But look at verse 19. A false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. God hates people that do those things. Now, are you thinking what I'm thinking? Let me tell you, go get, go get that verse and put your name in it. We're all sinners. We've all sinned. What does this mean? The Bible says God hated Esau in Malachi 1 and Romans 9. How can this be? God loves everybody, doesn't he? Well, let me explain it. Listen to James 4, 4. James 4, 4. 
Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. God is not the aggressor in this war. You are. Say amen. Amen. God is not the aggressor in the war of good and evil. You are. God has done nothing but give and bless and provide. We rebel and sin and hate. And God is holy and we are unholy. And God hates unholiness. I say, I don't think you understand that. You know why? Because we laugh at the silly sinful things on our boob tube TV. We, we, we give in to the sin in our life and we laugh at it and we sneer and we make excuses in our mind and, we, and I've heard people go so far and say, well, I'm free in Jesus. No, I tell you what you are is not understanding how much God hates sin and loves holiness. Romans 8, 7, because the fleshly mind, the carnal mind, that's all you are before salvation, is enmity against God. That's what you were. It is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Colossians 1, 21, and you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. Now, there you go. There you go. That's why we don't understand the hate. See, before you were saved, you were an enemy of God. And God hates your work. He hated your soul. He hated that old man that you were. But God in his grace and his mercy came to you. You called on the name of the Lord and you got saved and you got a new man and a new birth. And God became love to you. And he loved you before you got saved. Yes, God loves. He loves and hates. He hates the wickedness. He hates what we stand for. He hates our father who is the devil, but he loves our soul and he paid the price for it. And today, if you're saved, you ought to shout hallelujah. You ought to abstain from sin and act righteous because God paid such a price so that he could show his love toward me. We are all without Christ. In essence, uh, wait, 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 I'm sorry. All we are, let me get this right. This is a quote from, from me. All we are without Christ is the essence of what God hates. There you go. But the essence of God is love. Therefore, he chooses to save sinners. He chooses to save those who are his enemies. Isn't that good? In a stark way, God is showing his his distinguishing grace by loving Jacob and giving his promises and leaving Esau in his sinful, rebellious way, which is a condition opposed to God. I hope you got that. Now, let me tell you something. I put this up on the board. The shock of verse 13 is not that God hates Esau. It's that God loved Jacob. Did you hear me? The shock of this statement, we think, God hates Esau. No, the shocking thing is that God loved Jacob. 
I asked my class this morning, and they did very well. I asked them, what do you think you deserve from God? And, and uh, some of them said nothing. I said, that's a good start. You know what we deserve? Because we're rebellious sinners and eternity separated from God and hell. That's what you deserve. But some of you are not going to get that because the grace and mercy of God has visited you and you called on his name and he saved you. He saved you. See, we think God owes us some. Listen, I hear people all the time, well, God, God's a God of the second chance. Who said? Who said? What if God didn't give you a second chance? Would there be unrighteousness with God? No. Well, he's got to at least give us one chance. Who said? Who said that you had the opportunity to come to him? Said, so, well, he did, didn't he? Well, you do have the opportunity, but it's not promised. He he's God. He doesn't have to do what he only has to do what he wants to do. And thankfully, he sent you here today to hear the preaching of the word and the gospel of Christ, to convict you of your sin and draw you to himself today. God did that. It's no mistake that you're here. God brought you here. And he does love you. But my friend, don't mess around with that. Well, I'm going to get saved. I, 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 hear people, I even hear Christians say about lost people, well, they're just not ready. That's hogwash and slop. I'm running towards the precipice, 200 foot down off this cliff. I'm running. Someone says, stop, stop, you're going to die. And I say, I'm not ready to stop running. Whether you're ready or not, you're falling off the edge of that thing. You say, I'm not ready. You better get ready. Because I'm going to tell you something. What decides and who decides when and where you get saved is God. Salvation is of the Lord, Jonah said. Don't test his grace. Don't test his mercy. The Bible says perhaps God will give you repentance. He doesn't have to. He's God. But he does. We suffer from the modern American philosophy. I deserve. I'm entitled. You think you deserve heaven, but in reality, you deserve hell. But God in mercy and grace and love extends the command of the gospel to you today. You're a sinner just like Esau, just like Jacob. Brother Ron, how in the world am I going to receive the promise? How am I going to be distinguished by God giving me his grace? Well, I tell you, there's one sure way. I, I hear this all the time when I talk about election and predestination, in which we're going to talk about all next week. I'm finished for this morning. But next week, we're going to talk about it. And people say, well, what if I'm not elect? What, I, want, I want to be saved. I, what if I'm not elect? Well, I tell you, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Both are taught, both are true. Wait till we get to chapter 10 where it says, whoever, verse 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He said, Brother Ron, I don't understand that. Listen, you don't have to understand it. Understand the Trinity, would you? They're both taught. And I mean sovereign, unconditional election is taught in the word of God. And we will see that next week. All of chapter 9, most of chapter 11, all are defending God's sovereignty and man's salvation. 
But at the same time, God says, whoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. I will in no wise cast out. You say, well, Brother Ron, I don't want to come. Then why are you worried about it? Why are you worried about it? But if today, this is what the Bible says, although we know election and God's got it all in control, what you ought to do is be thankful that today God's brought you this place, God spoke your heart, God has drawn you, and you know what you ought to do? Obey the gospel. See your sin, confess your sin, and call out on the name of the Lord. God, save me or I die. God, in your blood and your cross and your resurrection alone do I trust for my salvation. I am a dirty, rotten sinner. I'd never be able to save myself. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross, I cling. <laughs> 